Hi, everybody, and welcome to this very special episode of the Combinate Podcast. I'm your host, Subi Sade. Insert whatever inspirational quote you like about change being constant. QMSR is here. And in this episode, I wanted to do an active reading, a guided meditation on QMSR. Now, quick disclaimer. If I had a nickel for every time I've said I'm not a regulatory person, I would be a very wealthy man, and I'm a quality person. And from that perspective, I just wanted to say these are not the thoughts and interpretations of some expert, but rather just me trying to learn what all is changing in the regulation. And so if you feel that there is something that was a swing and a miss in this episode, please do reach out to me. I did want to say also that this episode was in preparation to do some more deep dive uh, discussions with people who actually are experts. And so I just didn't want to waste their time by asking them questions like, oh, what are the high level changes and stuff like that? I felt like I could probably gather my uh, on my own and uh, wanted to be wanted to have those discussions be a little bit more valuable. I did try to structure this episode and stitch it together in a way that was coherent, but the way this episode was recorded, I think, wasn't really like any others that I've done before, in that I recorded it a few minutes here, a few minutes there. I thought it would be an advantage in in helping me understand to get as many touches on it as possible, and that does not make for a coherent storyline. Just bear with me through this episode. Quick note on the structure. I wanted to talk about what I'm coming at the regulation with in, in terms of my own experiences prior to reading the regulation. And honestly, I didn't spend a whole lot of time on the uh, proposed rule. And so this was my first time really uh, diving deep into the changes. And so I wanted to get down what I'm coming into reading this regulation with you know, my own experiences having to deal with the 13485 versus QSR and some of the minutiae in between the two. The final rule does, I think, a good job of explaining the history of the CGMPs and the QSRs and went, do, went down a little bit of a rabbit hole of diving into the history of the CGMPs. All my career has been in the QSR. It was nice to learn some of the history. And so the beginning of the episode is focused on the history when there was no regulation period and the introduction of the CGMPs in 1978 and, and what all that did for industry and what industries some of industry's reactions were. Then going into what some of the changes the QMSR introduces focusing on the 820 changes, the new sections, but then also what it says about combination products in particular. And then just ending the episode with some of the comments that I thought were really interesting that FDA highlighted in the final rule. And yeah, the, the comment section, I just decided to put a button on. <laughs> I had my notes, but the episode was getting pretty lengthy, and I, I had my notes, so I got what I needed out of the reading and didn't want to belabor or make the episode unnecessarily long. And with that, if you're not already subscribed to the show, 
please hit subscribe. And if you like the show, or if you have any thoughts on whatever I whatever is in this episode, uh, please feel free to reach out. And so with that, let's all welcome the QMSR. And here is the episode. Hello, Combi Nation. My name is Subi Sedate. I've spent over a decade in medical device, pharma, and combination product development. Our industry feels complicated sometimes. Drugs, devices, clinical trials, submissions, sterilization, validation, design control, risk management, market access, reimbursement. The list goes on. My goal is mastery. So this podcast is to ask questions I have to people who may have the answers. Each week on the Combinate Podcast, I talk to someone about their area to further understand and simplify. Whether you're a pharma person trying to understand the next wave of products, or a device person trying to navigate a pharma system you're unfamiliar with, or a newbie in both areas, I invite you to listen, and together we can simplify by combinating. The sort of initial thoughts as I'm approaching the QMSR, it just based on some of the experiences that I've had, I've owned site quality manuals in the past for combination products that were focused on notified bodies as well as FDA. And it was not an easy thing to do to try and bridge the gaps between ISO 1345 and the QSR because as the beginning of the QMSR states, they're so similar. And it's kind of trying to find the differences between the the two pictures that are really similar. And so you you almost end up finding differences that are really not there, maybe. And you're just trying to avoid being caught up in a technicality versus focusing on things that are really quality uh, related and just approaching this update to the regulations with, I'd say, substantial optimism. In the past, using things like TIR-102 that bridges the sections of ISO 13485 and the QSRs was helpful in doing that activity. But the problem that FDA is hoping to solve with the QMSR is a a pretty big inefficiency in just how closely aligned they are, but not identically aligned. And, and so that's what I'm coming at the regulation. A lot of the history, frankly, that I wasn't fully aware of, I started my career out in the QSR environment and really hadn't done much uh, thorough background on the CGMPs that came before the QSR. The quality management system regulation goes through and describes the historical background to the creation of the new final rule, and it goes through it in steps. The FDA outlines that back in 1978, the current good manufacturing practices for devices were introduced for the first time. The FDA worked to draft the CGMPs between 1973 and 1975 and issued the draft out, giving industry 60 days for comment before spending the next two years finalizing the rule. What's really interesting is how 
focused the CGMPs were compared to the the QSR being a little bit wider and now the QMSR just focusing on more harmonization of the QSR. But imagining a world where there is no 820, the CGMPs focused on six big areas. One was when the new regs were taking effect. Two were exemption and variance procedures. Three, how the rule applies to foreign manufacturers. Four, disclosure of internal audits. Five, inflationary impact, inflationary and economic impact. And six, a critical device list. Now, I'm not going to go into these in, in a whole lot of detail, but they focused on when the regulation was going to take effect. That's number one. Number two, they looked at what, in what instances is an exemption appropriate and when, when are companies allowed to vary from the processes and expectations that were outlined in the rule. Again, hindsight is 2020, but imagining a world where there, there is no CGMPs, this was a pretty big deal. Number three, how the final rule applies to foreign manufacturers. And uh, number four, disclosure of internal audits. Now, for internal audits, the committee recommended that FDA essentially stay away from looking at internal audit documents because it would get in the way of companies appropriately using a self-reflection tool like internal audit for its intended purpose, which is improvement and control. And if they were essentially inspectable, then there would be maybe more pageantry applied to that and it would get in the way of companies actually using those for what they're intended. That that whole management review minutes and internal audit are typically not looked at in FDA inspections is something that I've heard a lot about, but I thought it was interesting to see it in the regulation comments. Number five is the inflationary impact and what the economic impact was. What's interesting is, again, hindsight is twenty twenty, but FDA noted that the cost associated with implementing this new regulation was not understood. So they solicited the expertise of four quality experts from ASQC, which is now ASQ, but the American Society for Quality and Control back then to help with that estimate. And they noted that device manufacturers were mostly concerned about the cost of applying the new regulations, but that the manufacturers were only looking at one side of the equation and were not weighing the cost of it, reduction in recalls, effectively managing complaints, effectively addressing market actions, etc., that would result in systematically applying a rule like this. Lastly, number six, FDA outlined that a critical device list would be developed that served as the basis for what FDA considered critical, mostly class three implantables and life-saving and sustaining devices. Because this episode is focused on the QMSR, maybe I'll do another one later focusing on the history of the CGMPs and maybe doing a Delta or a review of the drug CGMP history against a device CGMP history. I think that would be interesting. But let's dive into the QMSR. Okay, now on to part two. The QMSR is the quality management 
system regulations that is now bridging the QSRs that were introduced and made effective in 1996 and harmonizing them with ISO 13485 requirements as outlined in that global standard for quality management system. Now, just going into this, I had a few questions that were on my mind. Most notably, just in the back of my head was how difficult can harmonizing to ISO 13485 be, particularly for global organizations that have been used to adhering to both expectations for a really long time. And I thought the FDA did a pretty good job of highlighting just that. They say in section B, the need for the regulation that Quote, as a result, there is redundant effort for some manufacturers in complying with both the quality system regulation and ISO 1345. The redundancy of effort to comply with two substantially similar requirements creates inefficiency. For example, FDA expects that the aligned requirements will reduce the burden on industry to prepare documents and or records for inspections and audits. And they highlight a few examples of this, but just one is something like medical device file versus DHF, those little basically non-differences, I do agree, have been thorns in industry side for the people who are operating globally. Now, I think it, it would have been unfair to say that was FDA's problem to solve insofar as all of the, every company chooses to operate in uh, global markets and global markets have different expectations that said because iso 1345 is used so broadly uh, i really like that they uh, push this uh, forward structure is really important when it comes to trying to understand the qmsr and one thing that i learned as i was diving into the details here and the details are really important so apologies about the constant references of sections and subsections and citations and that, but th there's really no other way to, to do a thorough sh shakeout of what all has changed without the detail. So first things first is there are about five new sections that are introduced into 820 that were not there before. So the first one is 820.7, which is incorporation by reference, and it, it basically explains it basically explains what they're planning on referencing, which is ISO 13485. And so that's a new section of the regulations that wasn't there before. The second section is requirements for a quality management system. The next section is section 820.10820.10, which is proposed requirements for a quality management system. Originally, I thought that this was just gonna be a really straightforward for this section, just use whatever's in ISO. And the section 820.10 proves that's not exactly the case. Okay. So section 820.10 says that the quality management system requirements are now aligning to 13485 with modifications to specific elements of 820. This section also emphasizes documenting a QMS based on ISO 1345 and encourages manufacturers to record qualitative data for better process 
quantitative data, excuse me, for better process monitoring. The proposal addresses the quote unquote applicable regulatory requirements by saying that that basically this proposed rule is not intended to be comprehensive to outline all of the specific sort of product requirements and says, quote, that regulated manufacturers are responsible for identifying and meeting all applicable requirements, even if such requirements are not specifically called out in the proposed 820.10, end quote. Now, one thing that's, I think, important to note in this section is regarding design and development. The proposal uh, maintains that design and development, in other words, design controls is required for class two and three devices, but does mention that it is also required for certain class one devices. It mentions a list of those, some specific catheters, some gloves, restraints, etc. And then also speaks to the ISO 13485 section clause that is specific to traceability for implantable devices. And the this is a distinction between the FDA, FDA's interpretation of this and what is typically done if you follow ISO 13485 at face value. And that is to say that devices that support or sustain life need to meet, need to meet the traceability for implantable devices clause in 13485, even if they are not implantable. And so I think that's a, that's an important distinction to be aware of. Now, moving on to section 820.15, 820.15. Now in section 820.10. It talks about how the, instead of just complying with part 820, the proposal suggests aligning with ISO 1345 with modifications to the specified parts in 820. The revised rule emphasizes that documenting a QMS based on 1345 and also encourages manufacturers to record quantitative data of their process executions for better process monitoring. The proposal addresses the quote unquote applicable regulatory requirements that are typically seen in ISO 1345 and suggests that, you know, that that includes FDA requirements specifically regarding design and development. They scope out and say that the proposal maintains that design and development, in other words, design controls is required for class two and three devices in the US, which is, which is aligned with uh, 13485. But they also say that certain class one devices also require it. Not gonna go into all of the details specified here, but things like catheters, certain gloves, restraints, applicators, and devices that support or sustain life. And lastly, the proposal speaks to a traceability requirement for devices critical to sustaining life, aligning with ISO 13485's focus on implantable medical devices. That requirement for implantable devices is already there, but I think the FDA requirement seems to go a little bit beyond what is typically expected in terms of traceability just for implantable devices, according to 1345. Now, the next new section in 820 is section 
which is the proposed clarification of concepts. In this section, FDA clarifies three concepts and explains how it relates to them adopting ISO 1345. The three concepts are defining organization, defining safety and performance, and dividing, defining validation of processes. So the first one, organization, FDA basically says that ISO 1345 uses the word organization to describe whomever is trying to adhere to 1345. From FDA's point of view, they propose to clarify that in their eyes, organization includes the meaning of the term manufacturer that has been historically outlined in section 820.3. The next one is safety and performance. ISO 1345 speaks to quote unquote safety and performance as a standard for medical devices that as a standard measure for medical devices and FDA posits that they would like to have the reader see safety and effectiveness whenever they see safety and performance in ISO 1345. They also talk about the philosophical underpinnings of the differences between safety and effectiveness versus safety and performance. And they essentially say that in, in them proposing the clarification, they don't intend that is to be perceived as them taking a position. Instead, they just want to avoid confusion and outlining that safety and effectiveness and safety and performance are, in, in other words, interchangeable, it seems. Now, the last one is related to validation of processes. ISO 1345, they say, uses the term, quote, validation of processes and does not define it themselves. They propose validation of processes to refer to the FDA definition of process validation as defined in 820 and that FDA is retaining that definition. Now, the last new section that's being introduced is section 820.45 on device labeling and packaging controls. It's noted that ISO 1345 doesn't really provide enough expectation for a device labeling and packaging. 1345 states that defined oper quote, defined operations for labeling and packaging shall be implemented. Uh, but they don't provide additional details and doesn't speak to the inspection of labeling uh, by the manufacturer. Therefore, the Section 820.45 will define some of those expectations and industry must meet the requirements in Section 7.5.1 as well as the proposed 820.45. Okay, so the next new section is related to uh, section 820.35, which is uh, control of records. FDA specifies that they want to include a signature and date requirement for records subject to ISO 13485, section 4.2.5, which is control of records they also they also say that this re, that these requirements are not limited to hard copy documents uh, but also carry over to electronic 
Second, they say that they're proposing specific requirements to ensure information required by uh, medical device reporting is captured on some uh, complaint and servicing records. And then lastly, they say that they propose that firms are required to document UDI for each medical device or batch of devices in accordance with uh, 21 CFR Part 830, which is UDI. There's a lot of alignment of definitions here also just related to the last section. I'm not sure why they didn't pull this into one of the uh, aligning definition sections, but they say that section 4.2.5 of ISO 13485 requires that records be quote, readily identifiable and retrievable. And they say that FDA considers the phrase readily identifiable and retrievable to be substantially similar to reasonably accessible and readily available. Now that we've gone through the overwhelming changes to 820, the part we all know and love, combination products, is also changing. Okay, so the changes themselves, if you're not familiar, by the way, with the ECFR FDA website, you can go in under uh, timeline and click view change introduced and they'll show you a red line in red of what was removed and in green of what was added in, which is a really nice tool. And so that's what I'm using to go over these changes. They, they are mentioned in the final rule document. You can output that from the ECFR and just look at what the final rule says. But if you look at a list of the changes as a change history description, it becomes really hard to visualize. So I think it's better to go to the real thing to see what all has changed. So first and foremost is the definition of device. What changed is they just, instead of saying a device that is a constituent part of a combination product is considered a finished device within the meaning of the QSR, that last part is now changed to within the meaning of the QMSR. In addition to that, a couple of other definition changes, which are pretty obvious. The quality system regulation is now changing to QMSR and the Q quality system regulation now references the QMSR requirements as, as 820. Effectively, the definition of QSR is changing to QMSR and QMSR means 820. So the first big change is under section 4.4 which is how can I comply with these current good manufacturing practice requirements for a COPAC or single entity combination product? Section B, paragraph one. Now in section uh, 4.4, part B, paragraph one, it replaces the CGMP requirements with reference to 1345 together with the definitions of ISO 9000 and, you know, ties the link that these are now incorporated by reference under 820.7, which we, which we went over and other elements and other provisions within the QMSR, you know, it, throughout this section, it just replaces QSR with QMSR. It removes all of the references to the 820 dot chapters for, you know, the management responsibility, design controls, purchasing controls, and, and the rest, and replaces them with the relevant sections of ISO 13485, 
you know, most notably that general requirements and management responsibility are now to together in the first one. And then beyond that, instead of design controls, it now references the ISO 1345 design and development instead of purchasing controls. It now references purchasing instead of a Kappa. It now references analysis of data improvement and complaint handling instead of installation. It references installation activities and, and the same thing with servicing for uh, replaced with servicing activities. They do also highlight particularly for the uh, design and development design controls that the organization shall document one or more processes for risk management and product realization and that records of risk management ought to be maintained. And I'm going to, I'm going to have a one episode specifically focused on what this means for uh, risk management. Now, the last item that is updated is there's now creation of a section F in 21 CFR part four, section 4.4. There's now a paragraph F that is very similar to, I think the 820.7 wording that I believe is identical. The last thing that changed in the combo product 21 CFR part four regs is that section 4.4 also has a paragraph F now, which reads very similarly, might be identical to the 820.7, which is incorporation by reference and references the ISO.org website and these with a bibliography of ISO 9000 and 13485 within the regulations now. The last thing that I wanted to say on the uh, changes that I learned is that the structure is changing substantially, where before 820 was in subparts A through O, they are now going to be in subpart A and subpart B, general and supplemental provisions, respectively. I, I mentioned that earlier in the episode, but there's this term that's used throughout, which is uh, reserved. And according to archives.gov, it says, quote, an agency uses, quote, reserved to simply indicate that it may insert regulatory information into this location sometime in the future. Occasionally, quote, unquote, reserved is used to indicate that a portion of the CFR was intentionally left empty and not accidentally dropped due to a printing or computer error. In other words, intentionally left uh, blank. But what's interesting is a lot of the sections that have been replaced are are now called reserved. So 820.20, 820.30, and some others. 820.20 is management responsibility. We went over how that's now included with general requirements. 820.30 design controls obviously is now considered reserved. 820.40, which is uh, document controls, we went over the changes to document controls and uh, subpart C through O is now uh, reserved. So before the, the subparts were 
general provisions a quality system requirements b design controls c dot controls d purchasing controls e identification and traceability f production and process controls g acceptance activities h non-conforming product i corrective and preventative actions j labeling packaging controls k handling storage distribution installation l records servicing and statistical techniques o so in other words the that whole 820 has been changed to subpart a and b and the the general provisions are now just reduced substantially to to speak to the incorporation by reference of the QMSR referencing 13485 and the supplemental provisions include some of those uh, gaps that we had addressed earlier like the control of documents device labeling and packaging etc where there was redundancy it, it's basically been removed and the regulation is now just focused on the areas where FDA feels that they need to tack on to what's already in ISO 13485. Moving on to comments and the review of the comments in the QMSR final rule and just the thoughts that I'm leaving away with this exercise. One thing that was notable was that in 1978, FDA received 140 comments or so on the proposed CGMPs, and with the QMSR, FDA received less than 100. That's a drastic change, but maybe not. I don't know. In my head, I was thinking that while the, the number of organizations that are going to be adhering to the QMSR are substantially more than what they were back in 1978, maybe the uh, changes are just not as drastic as no CGMPs to CGMPs. I thought comment two was uh, really interesting. The comment is about the scope of the regulation. FDA agreed with the commenter that the scope between QSR and QMSR are not differing However, they disagreed that if a need arose, that FDA can't also have legal authority over component manufacturers. The distinction being made here, I think, is that FDA is expressing their intention that while they have the authority to control medical device components and uh, constituents that feed into a medical device, they are not choosing to exercise that authority by having to have those elements have to go through the full requirements of the uh, QSR and now the QMSR. In other words, the regulation is limited to finished product because of practicality and not because of insufficient authority given to the FDA by the FDNC. Comment 5 is similar to this in that some folks were requesting the FDA is a little less implicit and actually say that the QMSR applies, quote-unquote, as appropriate to component manufacturers. We dealt with their explanation earlier, so I won't repeat it. The next comment that I thought was interesting was comment three. Another one that's sort of purchasing control supplier management related, FDA received comments requesting that 
third-party servicers and refurbishers be included. My interpretation of the FDA response is that it's not currently required in 13485 and by extension won't be required by the QMSR, essentially going back to intentions and principles. FDA's intention seems to be to harmonize first and foremost, which also means not unnecessarily binding manufacturers to requirements not set out in 1345 unless they deem absolutely necessary. And when we went over the uh, new sections that they decided to introduce into the QSR, those five sections. They also declined to specify which sections apply specifically to components and instead said that component manufacturers should consider appropriate sections as guidance and reinforce that the element of the uh, QSR to QMSR isn't really changing with with this final rule in that uh, it can be applied voluntarily, they say. Comment 6 outlines FDA's intent to harmonize uh, with 1345 while maintaining that any conflicts between 1345 and the FDNC will be re- will be reconciled by just going to the FDNC and the associated uh, regulations. Those will take precedent over the harmonization. There are some comments like comment 12 that speaks to FDA's thinking on things that are more minor And they seem to be painting with a pretty consistent brush that FDA basically agreed that the clauses are more specific than 1345. There are some comments like comment 12 that speak to FDA's thinking on things that are more minor, but have been historically more detailed in the QSR. I think they're pretty consistent in the way that... they're using the same brush where they're painting when it comes to a lot of these comments and effectively things that were more procedurally specific in the QSR are not being specifically carried over if it's only a line like for comment 12 FDA essentially agreed that the that though the clauses in 820.100 are more specific than 1345 they're not different enough that they weren't introducing specific lines of the Kappa regulations from the QSR to bridge that the ISO 1345, though less detailed, out, clear, is aligned with FDA's thinking. Comment 16 speaks to the life cycle management of the new regulations and highlights that While FDA knows that the standard is likely to be updated, they're not going to specify how the regulations will be affected. Comment 21 speaks to the fact that ISO 1345 is a copyrighted document and as such typically carries a fee, whereas regulations should be cost-free. A quick note, by the way, I did an episode on uh, plain language as a expectation with Kathy Walsh. Her book, Eliminating the Gobbledygook, was really good and highlighted when plain language expectations and requirements became introduced for regulation and and legislation. So check that out. It was one of my earliest episodes. But Comment 21 speaks to that, and FDA says that the that either there, I'm not sure if there is currently or there will be a path to be able to access 1345 for free through ANSI, but 
good news good news that now if you're in the US you don't have to pay for ISO 1345 I'm already well over I was planning on having this be a 30 minute recording but well over over 40 minutes right now so I'm not going to go through all the rest of the comments but there there cuz there are a bunch of comments focused on definitions that I thought were really interesting a lot of them were reconciled in the actual sections of the regulations. One last note I don't think I I mentioned is that the the final rule goes into effect two years from this February, so it'll take effect in February 2024. Now, just my final thoughts, like I said in the intro, uh, I wanted to do a real active reading of this for my own sake. But my high-level reactions are pretty positive to the final rule. I've I mentioned earlier on in the episode, I've owned quality manuals and have had to reconcile the little nuanceical differences between ISO 1345 and the QSR. And so I think these changes are overwhelmingly positive. And I, it, it seems like the streamlined requirements that are going to be in 820 are really focused on those things that the FDA feels are not captured in 13485. We'll see if there's additional guidance that comes out on some of those new sections because they're, the, the final rule was not super detailed as to what all the expectations are. And yeah, I think they did a good job of dissecting the stuff that matters with their intent being harmonization and streamlining, and we'll see where uh, things end up. And with that, if you have any feedback on the on this episode, feel free to reach out. And uh, happy combinating, everybody.